I think in times past, we have been discussing kind of values as principles and um, things of that nature, kind of theology around what it is that we're building here at Border City Church, what we're wanting. But whereas I think we're shifting in this time more into a little bit more of a practical, this is how we're setting out to accomplish and uh, what we've been called to do and, and to be who we've been called to be. So I'm going to be sharing still about being family because I believe that that is central to what God's purpose for the church is, uh, but specifically and how we are going to be doing that and calling you as people who, uh, if this is the case, have been called to be a part of this church, here's the way forward. So I feel in terms of leadership, one can only lead where you yourself are going. And, um, and that's kind of uh, what I think the essence of today and over the next couple of weeks is, is going to be. This is just explicitly saying for me and Minda, this is what we do. This is who we are. This is where we are going. And I'm not, obviously no one in here is inspired in following Paul and Minda, but in a sense, the way the church is, we follow Jesus by following it to a degree, the people that God has placed in, in leadership. And uh, thank you. And so, uh, and, and in order to follow, explicit communication is, is, is always necessary. So that's kind of the essence. Some of you have already heard these concepts. I think repetition is a good thing. So I've been sharing with a team of people that are, m- most of whom, if not all of whom, are in this room, who've been helping kind of facilitate various areas of planting the church. And then uh, the group that meets in the Opal's home, I, I shared in a particular time. So this isn't going to be news to several in the room. Uh, but today I'm going to be talking specifically about community groups. And then um, from that, being family. Now in the weeks to come, we'll talk about various other aspects of what we're called to do. Because as Minda so wonderfully shared earlier, Ultimately, really what we're called to do is to receive God's love and to give God's love away. Do you, do you guys believe that? Yeah. And that's actually far more profound than we can just, right. to, that, that to begin what we're called to do, it actually begins with the ability to receive God's love, which oddly enough is more of a hurdle for a lot of us than it is to try to give love. Our, our calling is to receive God's love. That is the crux of the matter. It's people who have, been encou- who have encountered the real love of God in the gospel. And I've been trying my darndest to try to communicate the gospel over the past several months. Uh, that we would encounter the real love of God. The freeing, uh, um, duty, demolishing Love of God and the gospel that when we encounter who Jesus really is, it do, it's a natural byproduct to want to express that love to other people. Yeah. So that's really what we're, we're called to be. But God has called that to happen in the context, not of you and I scattering out of this room and going very, in our various ways, but we dwell together in something of community and, and experience something of family and this mission that we're called to do. To share the love, and again, you can't share the love that you're not encountering yourself, but as we encounter the love, to share it in partnership together as those who have been lit on fire by God's love and want as many other people to encounter that same love as possible, we do it together in family and in community. 
And so, again, we're going to be discussing first some of what that's going to look like in the big picture, and then I'm going to bring it into some practicalities out of my own heart about how we actually walk together as family um, in community groups. You'll understand more about what I mean by that in a minute. So this is what Minda and I have been wrestling with. We've got Isaiah 61. You ever heard of that scripture? Isaiah 61, those who've been tracking for, for quite a long time. Does it ring a bell? The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And, um, and that scripture goes on to talk about those people being poor, who are poor receiving healing. Again, this thing is about love, right? And the love of God heals our heart when we really encounter the real experience of God's love in the gospel. But also the word of God receiving, once, as our hearts are becoming healed and our hardened hearts begin to open and trust God more and we allow his word to come into our lives, that word, guess what it does according to Jesus? It sets us free. Ever heard that scripture? You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you, make you free. And so as we open up our hearts and some of us have had damaged hearts in times past and we've had bad experiences, even spiritual church stuff and and as our heart begins to open up and we see this truth and it begins to liberate us, we heal, liberate, and ultimately God's word begins to lead us into his purpose. I've said oftentimes, how do you know what your purpose is, your calling? Anybody want to use the word that I've often used? Kind of test you, toss out a pop quiz. Even my wife doesn't know, so clearly you guys aren't going to know. Because <laughs> she knows all things, by the way. Uh, is Revelation. Is that which has been revealed to you in your heart of who Jesus is, that is an indicator of who he wants to express himself through you. Okay, so, so the word of God heals your heart, it begins to liberate your heart, and it begins to indicate to you and empower and give you divine energy to walk in something that he's called you to do. And ultimately, in that passage of scripture, you and I become rebuilders of ruins. And we've oftentimes said how poignant in the city of Detroit that literally everyone in the world knows Detroit is the city that's being rebuilt. Uh, how poignant it is, but of course you and I aren't just con- uh, concerned with real estate and buildings. We are concerned with human lives. Yeah, right. That's right. Regardless of the bank account associated with that person, regardless of the color of their skin, regardless if they're a Jewish Korean. I mean, I mean a German Korean. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where Jewish came from, but I don't know. You've been engrafted into the wild olive. I don't know. That was a shitty biblical joke. So we've got this Isaiah 61 concept that we've been called to walk in as a church. But then we've also got this concept of Jesus and the way that he did his uh, ministry, this discovery of something that we feel is very important in that Jesus had a ministry to multitudes and then he had a ministry to disciples. What I mean by that, multitudes were the crowds that gathered around Jesus, that were interested, that heard about his miracles, and that wanted to find out more, but they hadn't made a decision to follow him. But then there were people who were disciples who said, I believe that you are the Messiah, I'm following you. You're not just a person who happens to have some special power or wisdom. I believe you, in Peter's case, for example, I believe you're the Son of God, I'm following you. You see the difference? So we've got some people in this room who have made that exact 2,000 years later have had the supernatural encounter or the experience of making that exact same decision. I love that. Same thing, that thing of faith where you discover who Jesus is and make a choice to follow him. 
And so we believe that if Jesus had this ministry to multitudes and ministry to disciples, and they were distinct in how he, to the one he preached the kingdom, he declared the kingdom. He didn't tell them how they should live. He didn't tell them what they must do. He declared, I'm coming to you. The kingdom is at hand. Do you like how my breath came out there? Just to added theatrical at hand. Okay, so I'm getting corny today. Sorry. Blame it on the migraine I had last night. So uh, the, he declared the kingdom, but to the disciples, he taught them, here is how to live in the kingdom. And how many of you have experienced that when we try to teach people who have never made a decision to follow Jesus how they should live, it doesn't work. And yet, at the same time, if people had made a decision of Jesus, and all we do is continuously declare the love of God, kingdom come, but we never teach them, this is how to walk in the kingdom, they never grow. And so we need both, and what we believe is that in the Isaiah 61 picture, preaching the gospel to the poor is the ministry to the multitudes, or the crowds, as the NIV would say. Healing the brokenhearted, liberating captives, and seeing them appointed into their place to where ultimately they become rebuilders of ruins, that is making disciples. And we need to have both. And we believe that the non-negotiables that we have within that picture of how we should do this has to include these two things. The value of community. So we have to do what I just described. We have to have a ministry to multitudes and to disciples. We need to help people discover the love of God, receive Jesus, but also to grow up to become like him. And to do that, we need to hold in tension these two things. One is that that happens in the context of community. In other words, it's not just sitting down in rows of chairs like this, as important as this is. It's, it's, it's community, shared life together. And then the second is reproduction. In other words, that how we do what we do has to have every believer is reproducing themselves into helping other people become believers. Every leader is reproducing themselves into helping other people develop as leaders. Every community group is helping to spawn and multiply themselves into launching other community groups. And ultimately, Border City Church needs to be involved in reproducing itself and sending other people out to ultimately to plant other churches. You follow? We believe that that is the way of the Lord. Be fruitful and... Exactly. That's what he commanded uh, to, to uh, his people to do, and that is what he, uh, Jesus commissioned his disciples to do, is to populate the earth with the knowledge of God and planting of churches. So we believe that that is best accomplished in these things called community groups. Can I explain what those are? We already have one going. And I'm going to get into, I'm just kind of covering the bird's eye, and then today we'll land it with some more practical stuff. But let's just hold your horses, we'll get there. Community groups. Community groups are groups within the church who are meeting on some kind of a regular basis and building a sense of community together, uh, that where there is some kind of a shared common denominator amongst the people. So in the case of the Opals group, the group that meets at the Opals house, Truth be told, the common denominator is essentially that these people live north of the eight-mile kind of boundary and a little bit on the west side. All the people in the group, would, with the exception of Tamora, you, you drastically do not fit that mold, by the way. And I guess Shelby Township isn't on the west side, but you're north of eight-mile. That's very, you're very, very north. 
So, so, there, so there's that group that's already kind of happening. Minda and I are in the process where very soon we're going to be launching a group here in Detroit. We are also in the process of launching what hopefully will become a group. It's going to start off with just reaching people who don't necessarily know Jesus or even know if they want to know Jesus at the College for Creative Studies. Yes. With our, with our, we've got an alumni back there, alumnus, and we have uh, two people who we met with this week, Luna, who you know, and, and many of you would know one of her good friends, Andrew. Um, and we had a strategic think tank, and we're, we're going to be launching just a kind of an outreach time to build relationship with kids in the community that eventually will become, have rhythms of meeting together for those who are interested. That will become a group. And there are others that we're considering to where anyone in this church has something like that, that again, are meeting around shared common denominator in some kind of way. Does that make sense? These groups, we want to have incorporating in their rhythms of how they do what they do, what we're calling up, in, and out. Up means something in the rhythm of their, of their meetings where they're engaging upward, God, where they're worshiping, they're praying, they're uh, discussing his word, they're learning. In, up, in, and out, in would be building relationship laterally with one another. So it could be, why not go to a Red Wings game together? Or how about we just share a meal together? Or what do you like to do for fun with one another? It doesn't, in other words, have to just be a Bible study church group. Life is the idea. Doing life together, sharing experiences, getting to know each other. Not just your wisdom about Galatians chapter 3 only. Getting to know you, your life, your fears, your victories, your everything. You follow And then out. So ultimately, it's all about relationship. Relationship with him, relationship with one another, and then we have relationship with those outside, the multitude, so to speak. The the people in our lives that every person in this room has, connections with people who may not be in a church and may not know Jesus, but they like you. Jesus, in Luke chapter 10, refers to these people as people of peace. And people of peace are people who know you. They probably know something about what your spiritual stance is. They like you. They may not have received Jesus, but they like you. And therefore, they're interested in finding out and doing something with you to where that bridge of relationship and trust can ultimately be something that the gospel goes from inside of you to inside of them. You follow? So that is when we say out, up in and out. Out is strategically doing something together where we can impact in some way that makes sense and that expresses love, people of peace in our own lives. These groups, so we've got, they share a common bond, they have something of up and and out, just to make sure that we're, in other words, if all we did was up continuously, we're never going to impact the world, are we? And you aren't going to fulfill your mandate, the commission that God's given you, hoping it's going to happen. There's like practical steps that you have to do that sometimes feel awkward, feel, you know, but there are practical steps that you have to do in order to accomplish what God's called you to do. Anybody ever accomplish something great? Did it all just like fall out of the sky because God had willed it? No, there's, a pra- there's practical steps you take towards something and God leads you as you go. 
So we have to have something that develops us as a community upward. We have to have things that, that, that build us laterally and then also outward. In these groups, we also want to have a, I, something in place of leadership reproduction to where whoever leads the group is identifying people who have the possibility of helping to lead that group and ultimately some people who have the possibility of leading another group where they pull them in closer and invest and help them to grow in their leadership. Another concept is that these groups, and the last thing I'll say about these groups, is that um, they connect. So as we have more and more groups, they're all connecting to the local church called Border City Church. Now, how many of you know Border City Church is not a Sunday gathering? Are we all in agreement there? It's not, we are people. So we are building strategically because it's practically hard for some people in the room I don't know a good example of it would be helpful, but maybe the Cruckers might struggle to really build community with somebody else in the room for practical reasons, not because they're not willing, for practical purposes. So what we do is we have these groups that are building reality of, in normal life, building community, but then together we all gather together and meet uh, and, and, and are a part of something larger than, a, than ourselves called the local church. Why is that important? Because it's important to be connected to something larger than yourself. Otherwise, you become an island, and the more of isolated we become, the less effective we become, and sometimes the more off course we get. That way, we are all connected to biblical eldership, which God has willed in the scriptures to be uh, the leaders of, of a local church. That way we partner and resource together. So one group may be able to say, hey, I see what you're doing here in Detroit. We want to come and partner with that once a month and blow wind into what you're doing. And hey, some of the people that we have in our lives who may not know Jesus would also like to be involved in that. So we're going to be reaching people of peace in our lives by helping you reach people in your community. You following? And then uh, and also the fivefold or uh, equipping, the preaching and teaching of the word of God that equips us as we, as we, uh, as we connect to the, local, the broader local church. Here's why we're convinced of, of doing this. One, we believe that this is thoroughly New Testament. That what you see in the scriptures, New Testament, is that they were meeting at homes. That they were sharing meals. And, that while, and the Bible actually says in the book of Acts... That daily they met in the temple, in other words, the large public gathering, and from, anyone know? House to house. So it's the, it's the combination of meeting in the large corporate gathering and meeting in private, personal, sharing meal type settings. Both are important. Thoroughly New Testament. We believe that this is relational. And that relationship is the means by which God accomplishes his purposes. So we actually want to build in such a way that's relational. Thirdly, that it's community. And um, fourthly, that we believe this is more of a uh, model that that would allow for realistic discipleship. What I mean by that is Jesus commanded us to go and make disciples. But I find that if all we ever do is a classroom environment, it's very hard for Michelle sitting in a chair to actually go and make disciples. Whereas in the context of community where everybody has something to share, that creates an atmosphere where Michelle can begin building relationships where ultimately she can begin giving away to other people what she has through relationship that's built in a community uh, forum. 
And then um, uh, related to that would be that it, this mobilizes believers. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10, do we have need for a letter to be written by you? He said to the Corinthians, a letter of commendation to prove that we, to other churches, that we are apostles. He says, you are our letter, written not on tablets of stone, but on the, the, the human heart. In other words, ultimately, believers are the letter, the message, the lives of their, their lives expressed to the community is how the gospel shines to Detroit. So what, what am I saying? As Craig Pate over there lives the word of God, not just sits in a chair and hears it, not just reads his Bible and, and receives it, as he lives the word of God, even though he may feel like he's imperfect, which he is, and so am I, his life still, as he lives in faith, his life reflects something of godliness that becomes a testimony to other people. That's what we're looking to do, mobilize believers. So let me say two things that we're wanting to invert. One is long, for a long time, the church has tried to, I believe, model their idea of church growth by inviting people to a church. And I still believe it's important that we invite people to gatherings. That's important. But what's more important and more biblical is that believers are called to go into the world and, and preach the gospel and be witnesses. Are we in agreement on that? Yes. So we're wanting to invert what has been the norm of church and frankly, what could be more comfortable. A lot more comfortable to just say, hey, it might be more comfortable, I don't know. Invite somebody to church rather than I am the message. I'm the chosen one. God has anointed me and given me favor in relationship with people to where I can build relationship and begin to express something and represent something of Jesus to other people. And as that connection is made, I not only invite them into relationship with my father and they become part of my family, but practically here on this earth, I begin to include them in my church community group where they build relationship and begin to experience healing and receive things from other people in that context. And ultimately, a person who may not be interested in coming to your church, but they may be interested in you and they may be interested in people who are friends with you. As they build relationship there, they're much more likely to just naturally wind up becoming part of the greater church. So the end goal is not more people sitting in a chair. Let me me make that clear. The end goal is that people who the Bible describes as poor, poor in spirit, that ultimately they experience healing, liberating, and appointing through through the gospel in, in community, and ultimately they become who God has called them to be. So we want to invert that. And then secondly, we want to invert this idea of we do what we do in church through programs. So organized programs. Are programs evil? Like we're doing, we're going to do Love Detroit. Effectively, that's kind of like a program, organized event and kind of thing. But instead of primarily trying to do what we do through programs, We're wanting to invert that pyramid and say we primarily do the call of God through leveraging our normal rhythms of life. So Crocker over here, 
he goes into some big highfalutin building, uh, campus marshes every day. That could be looked at as uh, completely unspiritual. He's got his spiritual life and he's got his work. And I'm saying that for all of us in this room, me being a realtor through the week, there's no, there's no deviation between what is secular and sacred. I am a child of God everywhere, called to be a witness everywhere. And I'm not preaching the gospel down people's throats, you know, to, in order to accomplish that. I'm loving people and, and engaging people relationally with the intent of I want what is in me to flow through me. So, so we're wanting to undo this thing where programs are the only way that we try to accomplish what we're called to do. And rather our life. 24-7, we are a child of God. We live in the purpose of God. And then we flow with that into community as we're all doing that and we're reaching people in our normal lives. Those people are coming into our community space. They're encountering real presence of God, real fellowship. And ultimately they receive Jesus and become incorporated into his body and become who they're called to be. And they go and do the same. Cool? Yeah. We are building church that fulfills its commission of preaching the gospel and spreading the kingdom through the vehicle of relationship, community, and family. So that's the whole, everything I just said is in a nutshell right there. I'm going to say it again. This is what we're doing. We're building church that fulfills its commission of preaching the gospel and spreading the kingdom of God through the vehicles of relationship, community, and family. And I think it's important to explicitly say these things, that that's what we want. Will we invite people to things? Absolutely. Will we have a program here? In the absolute, no, those things are wonderful. They're not evil. We primarily want to do it through relationship and community and family. So, as I said earlier, Minda and I can only lead where we ourselves are going. And so... We're saying this is where we are going, this is who we are, this is what we do. Squeeze us, and this is what comes out of the tube. And, um, and we're inviting everyone who feels like God has called them to become a part of Border City Church to go here with us, if I can say that. So the question is how? And I just want to say a couple things about that. You have heard me say in, in times past that just referencing this really cool statue in uh, downtown Detroit called the Spirit of Detroit. Anybody ever seen the Spirit of Detroit? And you got this guy who is like a male figure and he's got this thing that represents God in one hand and then in the other hand there's like a little people and it represents a family. And the artist says this, the artist expresses the concept in this statue that God, through the spirit of man, is manifested in the family the noblest human relationship. So... We've said that the funny thing about this and the fact that underneath this statue is written this awesome scripture from 2 Corinthians where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, is that this represents so much of what is at the heart of what Detroit, the city, needs. That family has been broken. The concept of dad, father has been broken. The concept of mom even and, and children relating rightly to one another and to parents and what is even, what is a family, you know? And, and to get back to healthy, robust family, and that the church itself is a family, but it's also made up of healthy families as we're doing our job correctly. 
And so how do we become family? I just want to share a couple thoughts in the next couple minutes around how we, in the context of these groups that I just said, because I'm ultimately asking everyone who's called to be a part of Border City Church to be in a group and to go on this journey with us. And how do we do this in such a way that creates family? Here's the first thing. You ready? As Minda said last week, Psalms 92, 12 through 13. You can turn there with me now if you want to. Her key text was this. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. Now, everybody in here would say, I would like to flourish in the courts of God. How do you do that? You get planted in the house of God. And what I'm saying in the context of this local church where we are going, that means getting planted into a community group where you are building community and family with a group of people. Cool? So a couple ideas, practical thoughts around that. What does that mean? What does that look like? Firstly, I've got one, two, three, four, five things. And it's not going to take long to, to share them. Firstly, Spend time together. And what I mean by that is prioritize times of the rhythms of this group. The Opals happen to meet every week. Not every group will, but their group does meet every week. And so for them to, to if you're going to be in that group, prioritize those times. Are there times that come up where you legitimately can't be there? Of course. Does this need to be some kind of duty thing that you have to fulfill. If it's not in your heart, it's going to be death. But what I'm saying is if you've got faith that God has called you to be a part of this church, live in that faith to say, God, this is where this church is going that you've called me to do and prioritize the practical outworking of how we're doing what we do, which is prioritizing relationship. Why are we prioritizing that time? With the idea that I'm building family with this group of people. And you know what? Uh, Minda shared last week also that some of us may feel like, you know, there's, what was the scripture that Tyron shared? There's like the cedar and the fir tree and the, and I'm, I'm one of acacia tree and I feel like I'm one of these, but I don't feel like I fit with these other people. I, when I say prioritize spending time so that you can build family, I'm saying that could be to some degree building family with people that you might not naturally have thought you could. <laughs> so let's be real with, with what this looks like. I'm saying if you feel God has called you to be a part of this church, take that step of faith and to say, Jesus, this doesn't feel natural, but I'm going to do it because of faith in you. And most of the time as you walk out the, the call of God, it's going to feel unnatural. Let's just go ahead and say that. So spend time together, prioritize time. Secondly, invest into relationship. Again, the scripture says, planted in the house of the Lord, where your roots go down in relationship. The, the house of the Lord, the church, isn't just a Sunday gathering, right? It's not a building either, is it? Well, what is it? People. So if you're planting yourself into people, that means you're building into relationship with them. So I'm asking all of us, uh, not, not for me, I'm saying here is, here is how we do this. 
invest into relationship, what that means is to lean into that relationship. Don't kind of stay back and see what happens. Lean in to the relationship. Say, assume that God has a purpose that he's called us together in. So I'm going to lean in to find out what that purpose is. I'm just going to be a bystander to see what happens. I'm going to lean in. I'm going to build into this relationship. I might even invite this person over for dinner just to get to know them a little bit better. I might have a conversation that goes a little bit deeper to find out what's going on in your life and maybe be willing to share my own life that I can begin to share my life and give and receive with other people. It means leaning in. It means building. It means looking for God's will together. Thirdly, and this would just happen in a natural byproduct of being in a, in a group together, but I would say share meals together. And, and if you look with me, Luke, Luke chapter 22, verse 15 I love this. Jesus, end of his life, uh, Passover meal. He says, with desire, I have, he sat down with the 12 and he said, with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. What he's saying there is that at the end of his life, he knew he was about to go to the cross. This was the most difficult time, naturally speaking, of Jesus's entire ministry in life. And there was something in him that wanted to gather those who had been closest to him to share a meal together. And I believe what we want to do is we want to build in such a way that ultimately in these groups, it's with with desire that we desire to share a meal together. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's something about when I'm looking forward. Like today, we might not be able to say that. But as we build the relationship, it's like we begin to build a network in our soul, in our heart where there is now a place that Kurt occupies in my heart that no one else can replace but Kurt. And when Kurt's not there in my life, I feel it. But if I don't build in that relationship, that place is never going to be made. And we want to build in such a way that we desire to be with one another because we begin to find who one another is in our lives. That's what Jesus built. A community that he could honestly say, it's with desire I have desired to eat this with you because you, you're my family. And then uh, fourthly, take interest in other people's lives. Paul said in Galatians 6 verse 2, carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. In the context of community, we lean into discovering the journey of the other people in the group and their burdens are my burdens. You got an issue in your life, I'm not just going to listen to that and say, oh, pity, you know, and go off and do my thing. That's my burden. And I think I want to ask everybody, can we lean in, in the context of community groups, to sharing one another's burdens? And lastly, um, is to give and receive. In other words, every person, if God's called you to be a part of this church, guess what? He has uniquely called you and gifted you and wired you to be a certain supply. And in the context of community group. You go to the community group knowing at some point God's going to want to begin to use me to be a supply. It may start off with, I'm going to help put up the chairs so that we can have a nice little place to meet in. But ultimately, lean into the idea that God has called me to be a supply to other people. Don't just sit there as a spectator saying, oh, well, Kurt and Anna, they're the spiritual ones, so they're probably going to do much. You follow what I'm saying? But in the same time, give, yes, but also receive. Yes. 
that everybody here, in order for this to work, we have to humble ourselves in relationship to realize that imperfect person whose warts I'm beginning to see more clearly because I'm in community with them, God has actually given them supply that I need. And it's not to say that we're best friends with everybody in the group. It's not to say that we need to receive on the same level from everybody in the group. I'm saying I have a heart posture that is humble in seeking to draw out from every person whatever we can from them. That's how we do it. Get, being willing to give, find our place of standing as a child of God with something to give, but also a hum, humble place of willing and understanding our need to receive. We all good? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end it there, and uh, I want to give a, a moment for us to respond practically in our hearts to Jesus, not to Paul, not to anyone else in the room, again to Jesus. I'd like to read this scripture, and we're going to pray in response to this scripture. Matthew 4, 18. Through 20 says this, and walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. Um, thoroughly earthy, am I right? They're casting a net into the sea. They probably smell of fish. They're out in the Sea of Galilee in a smelly boat doing something totally unreligious. There's nothing, there's no church, there's no worship team gathering. It's Jesus finding fishermen who stink to high heavens and maybe they've got a foul mouth, I don't know. And he goes to them and he, and he sees them casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And while we love the idea that you and I can be involved in reaching people outside of here and them becoming through being a part of what we're a part of, them becoming who they're called to be, Jesus is also still saying to you and to me, follow me and I will make you what you have been called to be. And I find it interesting that the thing that Peter and Andrew had been, fishermen, was not irrelevant. He's taking these gifts and these things that they were already good at and saying, these things have a place in my call for you, but I'm going to change it around to where your gifts and your talents and your skills are leveraged to fulfill divine purpose. And divine purpose ultimately is touching people, not just catching fish. You follow what I'm saying? I'm not saying everybody in here is going to be called into full-time ministry or something like that. I'm saying follow him. Follow him. Not just become a Christian, not just go to church. Follow Jesus. I will make you fishers of men. And they immediately left their nets and followed him. I believe that as we come to this place as a church where we're not just gathering, we're not just having like our Sunday, we're beginning to say this is the way forward. This is how we're going to fulfill what we're called to do. There's a following Jesus into that place that requires faith and that looks like a pathway where we're going to become more of who we're called to be. But there's also an element of leaving our nets, of making an adjustment of things that today are priority to us, today are things that are consuming our lives and being willing to let down the net in order to make space for what God is calling us to do as a church. 
And if there's a challenge in that, as a church, that is a good thing. Because the God coming and manifesting himself in the earth more and more will always mean our will buckling to his. Our will encountering his and his winning. And I want to be a part of his will, not my own. Your will, not my own. Your will be done. Nevertheless, Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I believe with all my heart, and I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't. I want to be saying this to us if, if I didn't. That this is the way forward. Will we tweak some of the details? Sure. But the idea of community, the idea of reaching people in our lives, not just waiting for some program to do it, you and me reaching people and doing it together. That is the way forward. And that means we need to invest into these relationships. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up. This is between you and the Lord. But I am saying, if God has called you to this church, I am asking you to go there with us. So can I invite you, if you, if you want, to close your eyes and make this now about the same Jesus who said those words and still says those words to those who would be disciples. Follow me and I will make you what I've called you to be. If you can say yes to these things, if you can say yes and amen, you can say I'm subscriptive. It's a challenge. Maybe it requires adjustment, but I sense the Lord in it and I've made a decision that I'm following Jesus. So even if it's a challenge, even if it requires adjustment, I've already made that decision and I'm not turning back. I'm following him where he's leading me and he's leading us. And if you can say yes to that, I I just want to lead us through a prayer and you can be in agreement with it. Lord, we, we thank you for what you're building. We thank you that you've called us to be family. Thank you that you've called us to express family to a community who needs it. Thank you for relationship. Lord, we ask you to, we say yes to you. We say yes even to receiving the people around us that are in this room. And the people who you have called, are calling, and will call to be a part of this local church. We say yes. We say yes to prioritizing these relationships, planting ourselves in these relationships. We say yes, Lord, to investing into one another's lives, building community, sharing meals, leaning in to discover the purpose that he has for us, taking interest, giving to others and to receiving from others. We say yes. And ultimately, Lord, we say yes to you. In Jesus' name, we pray that your your kingdom come in all of our lives. Let your will be done. As we follow you, let all of us become fishers of men. Effective fishers of men. We pray right now for all of those who are living their lives not knowing your love, not knowing your gospel, never having encountered you in this city of Detroit, not following you and seeing you for who you are. We pray for them, God. We pray for those that you've already connected with us with. We pray that as we follow you in the season ahead that you make us fishers of men, that 
that they would encounter you. And Lord, we do pray that you would help us to receive your love, that we would be able to give your love away. I pray for every person in this room who struggles in that area, each of us, to not just be faithful to you and servants of you, but to be recipients of your love. Lord, we pray that there would be such a a move of your love and your grace in in, in our lives that we couldn't but share it with others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.